You're listening to the Skift Podcast. Continuing our series on Skift's megatrends for 2024, today we feature a conversation focused on developments reshaping India, the Middle East, and, by extension, the whole of the global travel business. Up for discussion are megatrends on the growing Indian middle class, a potential short-term rental boom in the Middle East, and whether Made in Dubai will be the next global brand. To explore these topics, Skift Editor-in-Chief Sarah Kopit is joined by two members of Skift's editorial team well-versed in these regions, India-based Asia editor Pete Ndomabutia and Dubai-based Middle East reporter Josh Corder. You can see all of Skift's megatrends for 2024 right now at skift.com megatrends. Enjoy the conversation. Each fall, as the new year approaches, the Skift editorial team gets together and talks about the big themes of the year to come. This is tens of thousands of hours of talking to you, people in the travel industry through the year, coming up with the stories, research reports, our events, etc., and then us connecting the dots across all of those headlines. Over a period of months, we boil them down, and eventually we get to this list that become our megatrends. Nature's wrath by way of climate change. The long-term opportunity that hotel groups have in appealing to the middle class. The role that travel can play in solving this crisis of loneliness that we're seeing. Corporate greed and junk fees. Is the travel industry ready for it? Has anybody thought about it? We are on a mission to help you make sense of the year to come. So here's our take on the travel sector, 2024 style. Okay, let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third in our Megatrends podcast series. Today, I am joined by my two esteemed colleagues, and we are going to be talking about the Indian middle class, the short-term rental boom in the Middle East, and what is going on in Dubai. So, Josh, Peden, why don't you introduce yourself, say hello, and uh, tell us a little bit about the megatrends that you worked on. Uh, Josh, let's start with you. Thanks, Sarah. Uh, happy to be here and to chat with the two of you. Um, so I'm the Middle East reporter for Skift, based in Dubai. Currently Skift's only, first and only employee in Dubai. So you guys took the bets on moving over here. and uh, It's been working so far. So yeah, the, the megatrends I worked on, one was the idea of Dubai as a city becoming its own brand, like how New York is a brand or Paris is a brand. And with that, they have sort of companies associated with that. So we're going to see Dubai companies move overseas and export that Dubai tourism brand into other markets is one thing. And then the other mega trend that I helped work on uh, with Peden, who led it, was this idea of a short-term rental boom in the Middle East, which she will talk further about which is the idea that there's so much chatter about tourism targets over here, but, you know, where does the rubber hit the road? And really, it's going to be through short-term rentals. Yeah. Yeah, great. Awesome. And Peden? Hi, I'm Peden. I'm the Asia editor for Skift, and I am based in India. I worked on two megatrends. Uh, one was about the rising middle class in India. 
So last year, our mega trend was that India is going to be the new China. So one of our mega trends was this idea of, you know, India comes of age, India becomes the new China. I read that India was going to overtake China uh, sometime in April this year as the most populous nation. And coming from India and having read about this for years, for some reason, in my mind, this was 15 years in the future. I think all of one of the first reactions was, wow, this, this happened this quickly. And what, what happened was the China's uh, population fell off a cliff in the last 10 years, dramatically. And so what was going to happen much, much later in the 30s and the 40s, 20s, 30s and 40s, got pulled into the 20s. And there's so many implications for what this means for the travel industry. We had predicted that India would be, uh, you know, the new source market for outbound travel, and which did happen for many countries, especially Southeast Asia, uh, within Asia. And um, so uh, to explain that who is going to fuel this uh, outbound travel, it's going to be the Indian middle class. Yeah, so let's let's kind of do a little bit of a deeper dive into that. Why don't you tell us, give, give us the thesis, basically, of of your megatrend. There was a prediction that India's population was going to surpass China very soon. But that happened last year itself in 2023. And when it comes to the population, the middle class is going to witness a, a surge as far as the population is concerned. And they are the ones with disposable income in their hands. And they are the ones who want to experience more. They're the ones who, uh, you know, they've understood from COVID that uh, the concept of YOLO, you only live once. So they want to experience it. And how best to experience anything, they need to travel. And uh, they are traveling, whether it is, if you see domestic tourism in India is, has there is, there's been a huge boom. Of course, you can see that, you know, the Indian uh, Indian airlines, the aircraft orders that they have, some of the most historic aircraft orders, because they know that everybody in India wants to travel. And when it comes to outbound travel as well, outbound travel is extremely aspirational in India. And of course, less than 10% of the population owns a passport right now. But, you know, the government is also trying to facilitate uh, easy procurement of passports. Uh, earlier, it was a very tedious process getting a passport or renewing a passport. But they're trying to do that so that it fuels the outbound search. And we have seen that it has it has started happening ever since COVID. I think people are traveling more. India is a source market, top source market for many countries, and it will only continue to grow. And so we did a, another one of our megatrends that um, our hospitality editor, Sean, wrote was just about, you know, the rise of the middle class traveler in general. Right. So how are the how are the travel companies kind of across the board in all sectors capitalizing on the India market and their middle class? I mean, we talked a little bit about how, you know, they're young, they're rich and they want to travel. I mean, that's like that's the you know, that's like the golden ticket, right, for for travel companies. So what are what are the the companies themselves really doing to take advantage of this? 
Sarah, from, for one, they have understood that there are these cultural touch points uh, as far as uh, the middle class or uh, the Indian population is concerned. And uh, travel companies are uh, making travel, like I said, is aspirational. And who better than our film stars yeah. to uh, <laughs> send across that message? You know, Dubai did that and they did that fantastically well with Shah Rukh Khan, who's the biggest, who's a mega star, superstar, not just in India, but the subcontinent and I would say even Asia as well. And cut. Great job, Shah Rukh. Was it good? Yeah, I watched that a couple of times. It, it's it's such a good, it's like a music video, you know? Correct. Yeah. It's like a mini movie. Yeah, a long day. How boring, Dad. You're in Dubai. Walk around, have fun. That sounds like a good idea. So, uh, you know, Dubai did that with Shah Rukh Khan. And then they realized that, you know, now there is a younger crop of actors. So uh, Abu Dhabi is doing that with Ranveer Singh. Ranveer Singh was, uh, you know, earlier he was with, uh, even Switzerland Tourism had chosen uh, to, uh, him as their brand ambassador. And then there is, you know, Qatar Airways tapping Deepika Padukone, uh, Accor collaborating with Katrina Kev. So they've understood that in India, what sells is movies and cricket. So travel <laughs> companies are trying to, trying to tap the, you know, the people from these sectors to show how aspirational travel is. Another interesting thing that I realized is Indians love to bargain. I wouldn't say that mm. they're cheap, but they want they want bang for the buck. They don't mind spending ten thousand dollars on something, but they need to know that they can they need to see value in it. So yeah. so of course they'll try to get the best deal out. But one thing that's really picked up is this travel now pay later scheme. And uh, when I spoke to when I spoke to these people, uh, Sam Cash, uh, they told me about the fact that, you know, because of this, a person who had a budget for Goa, which is a domestic beach destination in India, is actually going to Thailand because now they have the option to travel now and then pay later so they can pay in installments. And of course, traveling in business class is extremely aspirational. So a person with that option, somebody who was going to travel in economy is now traveling to premium economy or business class. Is that a recipe for disaster, really? I mean, this is this is like, you know, the credit market we're talking about here. Is that going to ultimately be a bad thing? I did ask them that about the fact that, you know, uh, but they said that they've been doing this for quite some time now mm. and their default list is less than 1%. That's what they told me. It's impressive. That also shows that, you know, they, they do not mind spending on travel. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, Shah Rukh Khan and Dubai here. Let's get Josh in. Um, that, you know, th this was really the bridge between these two megatrends that, that I really saw. So we've got, you know, the biggest movie star in the world, biggest star in India doing this little mini movie teaser for Dubai. Still shooting, Dad? No, darling. I'm back home now. How was your day? Did you have some fun? Thanks to you. I had the best day of my life. Tell us a little bit about like what Dubai is doing to become a brand in and of itself. You know, I, I, I here I'm here in the United States, so I always think of you know ma the Made in the USA brand being so strong. That was in the 80s and 90s. Made in the USA. American-made fashion it matters to me. 
but you know, let's talk about made in Dubai or, or Dubai as, as a city where you live. What's going on there? Made in Dubai. Well, something I can tell everyone about Dubai is they're very much all about image. So if we're talking here saying they already have their own brand, they'll be over the moon with that sentiment. Uh, just adding something on the, the, you know, the Bollywood actors coming in. One particular thing that was interesting about the incident you're talking about is not only did he promote Dubai, but he specifically promoted Dubai-owned and operated hotels. It wasn't Marriott's or Hilton's that he was prancing around. It was Imar Hotels, which is uh, Dubai-owned, owned by an Emirati billionaire. So even then, you know, if you want to go to the hotels that this you know, mega star was going to, naturally, whether you realize it or not, you're putting money back into the you know Dubai's pocket rather than Marriott's pocket, let's say. And this is something Dubai has increasingly focused on. It used to be back in the day, we stuck oil, we have money now, please come and build the biggest JW hotel possible. We don't care what it costs. We don't care how tall it is. Make it the tallest. Make it the biggest. And they did that for many years, and it got them pretty far as a glamorous five-star shopping destination. Anything is possible. Everything at your you know, your fingertip. These days, Dubai has matured a bit more, and they now have their own image and their own brand to play with. They don't necessarily need the Marriotts or the Accors. You know, they have Emirates Airline. It's a huge success. They have Jumeirah Hotels. Jumeirah Hotels has been a huge success in Dubai. They have Atlantis, which is, you know, one of the biggest integrated resort brands in the world. I would say it's on par with the ones you see in Las Vegas. Yeah. Palm Jumeirah is so famous now. Yeah, Beyonce was here start of last year, and I did a lot for Dubai. So if Dubai yeah. now says, we want to bring another Atlantis to another location, people are going to, they're going to flock to it. They're going to think, oh, this is you know the Beyonce-backed super hotel. I want to go see what it's about. And they go there, and then they go, this is crazy. I now want to fly back to Dubai and experience the, you know, quote unquote original. Yeah. So that's the cycle that Dubai has gone through. They started by importing brands and they're getting to a point now where they're capable of exporting brands. So if India is about movies and cricket, what's Dubai about? <laughs> Well, everyone, everyone says, everyone says shopping, shopping yeah. and eating. But in terms of you know what makes the Dubai populace tip, you know what is the the image they want to be known for? Dubai is very much the idea of you, you can do anything and you can be you know, be surrounded by anybody here. You know, it's such a multicultural mm. destination. Basically, every every nationality lives here. Please welcome CEO of Dubai Corporation for Tourism and Commerce Marketing, Isam Abdulrahim Qasim, and Skift founder and CEO, Rafid Ali. Once we got the spotlight, we started to highlight all of the beautiful things that are happening in here. Namely, the fact that we have 200 nationalities that have chosen Dubai to be home, right? And they make right. up about 90% of the population. And for us, that is the organic, true magic of the city of Dubai. Right? Where family is now relocating here because they're saying, this is where I want to raise my kids because 
I know that they'll become global citizens when they leave. Well, it wants to be you know, the next great cosmopolitan melting pot. It sounds like you're describing New York City, actually. Well, you thankfully, know, to... it's not quite quite as busy as New York City yet. But I really, <laughs> yeah, they're not going to stop until it is. Yeah, it sounds like it. I was going to say, um, you know, we were just there for SCIF's uh, Global Forum East in Dubai. And um, I have a 12-year-old son who loves cars. And it, like I was thinking if Dubai is shopping and and cars. I sent him a, a, a row of, of supercars parked at, at the hotel where we were having our event. And he listed probably 14 of the, I don't, I don't even know how to describe them, the most glorious vehicles that exist on the planet. So yeah, that's neither here nor there. So if we've got luxury in Dubai and we've got, you know, the Middle East, when I think about hospitality and, you know, hotels in the Middle East, I automatically do think of luxury, just like Josh, you were saying, you know, it's all about image, it's about shopping, it's about, it's about supercars. And so we've got all of this um, inventory that is high end, super luxury. I know that Saudi, Oman, the UAE, they've got like massive tourism projections in the near term for how many people they want to bring into their countries to visit and be tourists. Then we've got all these luxury hotels. That's great. Wonderful. But we just talked about the middle class. And we that was a few of our megatrends, not only the Indian middle class, but just hotels and middle class travelers um, writ large. I think our, our last megatrend segues nicely here, where we talked about how like there's there's a gap, there's a need for a budget alternative. And that is where the short term rental comes in. So Ping, why don't you take us through a little bit of how you how you and Josh are thinking about how the short term rental boom fits in to um, kind of this broader hospitality scheme in the Middle East. Thank you, Sarah. Um, Sarah, of course, we know that you know even though Saudi Arabia received a little less than seventeen million visitors in twenty twenty two, the twenty twenty three figures are not yet in. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, it's, it will be nowhere near their target of uh, 2030, which is about 150 million. Even UAE has very ambitious targets, 40 million guests by 2031, Oman too. But we know that the average tourist spend uh, per visit in these countries is well below the five-star rates. You know, um, in, in the megatrend we've mentioned, it was about 2000 uh, a little more than $2,000 for UAE. Uh, you know, 1400 uh, around $1,400 in Saudi. So there is a clear need for budget alternatives. That's where the short-term rentals will come in. And of course, uh, these countries, where all the Emirates in the, uh, in the UAE, uh, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, in fact, opened uh, the country to short term rentals, if, uh, you know, so that uh, residents could open their houses uh, for, to tourists. So they've, because they clearly realized that the uh, rooms in the hotels will not be enough. Of course, they have the best. They have the seven stars. They have the Amans and they have all these four seasons and luxury properties. But not everyone will be uh, traveling. And of course, people, uh, you know, with these ambitious tourism targets, they know that the majority of the tourists will be coming from countries like India and China. And in India, of course, like I said, people look at value. 
and you know when the middle class comes out to travel they will not be staying as a two, at a at a hotel that charges them around $2000 per night for all you know that might be the budget for their trip so they would be looking for uh, budget friendly alternatives and that's where short term rentals will come in and that's evident by the new laws in any of these countries with you know the the short term the short term rental phase in i mean it hasn't exactly been smooth everywhere you know it's it's kind of a new newish class of property that you know it it takes a bit of um co sharing i suppose you know with to make it work yes and sarah it's very new right now uh, you know the laws are just being formed like yeah. in january 2023 saudi arabia approved this bylaw to allow its citizens to uh, you know host and offer short term rentals and the same i mean like last year we heard a lot of stories coming in about these emirates you know whether it's sharjah whether it's ajman allowing short term rentals so we will have to see how uh, it's put into place and what and i think that that is when we will understand the challenges for now it's just they're putting the law in place so that uh, they can open their doors to more tourists what's the reaction been thus far with kind of like the initial pilot program i uh, i spoke to i spoke to quite a few i you know i spoke to a few companies that are uh, you uh, currently f- uh, focusing in the middle east uh, in fact silk house which was one of the one of the companies that i spoke to short term rental companies that i spoke to mm-hmm. they recently got a funding as well and they are clearly looking at they they dubai based but they are they they've grown uh, they're expanding to abu dhabi as well and they are looking at riyadh saudi arabia in a big way mm-hmm. and that's what they uh, you know when i spoke to them that's what they also said that you know we understand that there is a huge need in the market and uh, you know they want to make the most of it and they of course yeah. everyone wants to have the first mover advantage there Josh what's the short term rental market like in Dubai Dubai is is big it's really big and it's um it's a direct partnership with Dubai tourism so it's basically under mm. government watch and something Dubai tourism uses their short term rental market for by the way for dubai sorry for airbnb dubai is one of the most profitable cities so something dubai tourism uses airbnb for is for this idea of uh, having people extended stay in dubai obviously you can't afford mm-hmm. to stay in a hotel for 30 nights at a time but you can afford to stay in a airbnb for 30 60 nights at a time and they use that to push uh, their remote working scheme the idea of come work in dubai but be a citizen to another country they use yeah. it to push push the idea of you know, come live in dubai come get a visa here come come settle down here so dubai is a very interesting thing with a short term rental market is they basically use it as a vehicle to convert their tourists into residents uh, which is quite interesting because nobody becomes a dubaian in essence they maintain the original identity and they celebrate the original identity with one another do you care in terms of them not having like the dubai they don't identify as dubai but a global citizen see for me that's the beauty of having the other six emirates with us as well so you have a uae story but then this separates dubai a little bit because it gives us that 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 little bit of a 
I would say, a, a different angle, right? Where it becomes that cosmopolitan city, that multinational city that people call home. Huh. It's, it's not something many countries would want, I guess, I dare to say. That, that, that wouldn't be the, the, the goal. Um, but it's interesting that that's what Dubai wants. That's interesting that, uh, that Josh mentioned about it because uh, Dubai introduced something called the Golden Visa, which comes with a five-year and a 10-year residency. Mm. So these golden visas are mostly, so uh, last last year when they were doing the numbers, when they were showing the numbers for tourist arrivals, Russians were one of the biggest uh, source market for Dubai. But then slowly the numbers went down. And when the mm. numbers went down, uh, you know, it was like, it wasn't that, you know, less uh, Russians were visiting uh, Dubai, but it's just that some of them had converted into residents. Oh, I see. Yeah. There were less tourists, but there were more Russians coming in as residents. And they are also they are they've also eased uh, the visa norms for golden visas. Interesting is do you think that do you think that that has anything to do with the war? Like that that's why people were coming. Yes, because uh, of course there was sanction hit, yeah. and UAE yeah. was one of the few countries that opened to Russians. That is yeah. why, you know, the, if you see uh, countries like Maldives, countries like mm -hmm. Thailand, you see, uh, you know, Maldives, the uh, number one source market right now in January is Russia. Mm. And so do you think that the short term rental boom in the Middle East, do you think it will it will carry on for like it's it's a it's a long term um, a long term operation? Or do you think that it's it's going to be kind of a sudden burst and then taper off? I guess it will have to be because if if they have these ambitious tourism numbers, you know, one to accommodate one fifty million tourists, you yeah. clearly do not have enough hotels, and I, and I don't think they can come up with hotels so soon. So, and twenty thirty is not very far off. No, amazingly not, right? It sounds like it, but it, it'll be here in the blink of an eye. Can I add something to that, Sarah? Of course. When we when we talk about this idea that the Middle East is building too many hotels and not enough short term rentals, which is naturally true, but then you ask, okay, why are they building so many hotels and not enough short term rentals? It's because in Saudi Arabia, which is the prime example, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and Oman, all to varying degrees, are all trying to very much boost their international image. Saudi Arabia, the most, of course. And to boost your international image, to get tourists in, you need to be discovered. And to get discovered, you want people Googling your very fancy, very pretty hotels. So these hotels, yes, they serve the purpose of you know, having giving tourists a bed to sleep in. But really, they're just they're marketing tools. They're showing people, oh, this is actually a nice place to visit. Oh, this actually has a swimming pool. Oh, this is actually you know, in a nature reserve. That, and then you Google them and you go, oh, I can't afford any of that. I'll just stay in the short-term rental. So right. these hotels, they're just for marketing. And then the short-term rentals come in and they give the, the, you know, the real stay. That's a, a very impressive and expensive marketing budget. But yes, I, I completely, I, I, I see that. I get that. I can, I can see myself doing that frankly. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I understand that. I think, am, am I the, am I the target audience for this? I think the answer <laughs> might, I think the answer might be yes, actually. I think all of us are, most of us are. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Pete and Josh, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your thoughts. The megatrends are fantastic. Check them out. Uh, skip.com backslash megatrends. And we will see all of you next week. This has been the Skift Podcast. Thank you for listening. 